let's take a moment and uh, let's close our eyes and take a nice deep breath. <clears throat> so, Father, we thank you for the great privilege <clears throat> it is to be here uh, in worship, to be together. Thank you, Lord, for having drawn us here by the Holy Spirit. And as we open up Scripture, I pray, Father, that you would touch each one of us in this room, that you might speak to us right where we are, and that we might meet you. We might be transformed in the image of your Son, Jesus. We may leave here, Lord, with a greater vision of what you're doing in and through us, and uh, with a greater freedom and joy that you intend for us to offer the world as a gift. So we commit this time to you in Jesus' name, and everybody said, Amen. all right, thank you. Welcome, and uh, good morning. So I'm actually finishing the series uh, that Rich began called Burnout, uh, Caring for Yourself in an Exhausted World, and uh, my theme is Limits, uh, God's Grace in Disguise. Limits, God's Grace in Disguise from 2 Corinthians chapter uh, 12. So uh, this theme, if you... If you can get uh, what I'm saying here today uh, on, a, on, a, on a level where it actually touches you deeply, it will, it will free you. I mean, it will free you and your life uh, to a dimension of joy uh, and contentment uh, that I don't know if there's another way to it, actually. Uh, this has been an issue I've struggled with for years, uh, and I'm still learning and growing it, this idea of limits and the biblical teaching on limits because it's so counter our culture that we live in. And, uh, you know, there's a great verse in Genesis says, in 28 where Jacob says, surely the Lord was in this place and I was not aware of it. Limits is one of those places where we don't see God, but God is very much active and relevant and moving. And my prayer and hope today is that you're gonna see him in your own life in a fresh way. So with that, uh, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna give you a, um, uh, a little inventory right now. And I'm gonna ask, if, you have, if you've got a pen to write down the answer to this, uh, uh, what, what my limits in this season are, that's, that's the, that's the uh, opening sentence, my limits in this season of my life are. Now, so I want you to be thinking about, I'm going to give you a list, and you're going to write down the things that apply to you. So it could be uh, things that are, think of things that are hard in your life right now. Do you have things that are hard? All right. Or things that maybe you're resentful about, or you're struggling with that they're in your life. And so... Just make a note. So for example, your limit uh, or something hard in your life might be children that you're raising that have special needs or just children in general, they're small. Uh, it may be caring for an aging parent uh, and their needs. Uh, something difficult, a, a, a limit might be you are coming out of an addiction and you're in recovery. And so now you've got to, that limit of managing your life in such a way that you don't regress or relapse. Uh, maybe it's emotionally you're fragile uh, on, on a level of uh, whether it's anxiety or prone to depression or dysregulation, uh, isolation. Maybe it's rage, but you, you, you know you've got this, these tendencies, and it's a limit for you that you've got to manage. Uh, perhaps it's scars and holes in your heart that you carry from your family of origin or your lack of a family of origin. And, uh, you know, messages that are inside of you, maybe it's being a loser, or, you know, maybe it's poverty or abuse, whatever may have happened in your family of origin that, that, you're, that you recognize as a limit today as an adult. Uh, perhaps it's your physical body limitation some of you are carrying, uh, whether it's hepatitis or, you know, 
or whether it's a cancer, or whether it's your sight, whether it's your hearing, whether it's your age. Uh, if you're single, that's a limit. If you're married, that's a limit. Oh, yeah, I heard that. Okay, just... Is your wife here right now? All right. I suspected that. The season of life that you're in is a limit. So, for example, if you're a teenager, uh, that's a limit. If you're in your 20s, you're limited. This is life experience. You're starting out. If you're in your 30s, that's a limit. You kind of cement your career. If you're in your 40s, it's a different kind of limits, midlife. 50s is another set of limits. 60s, 70s. We have someone, 80s, 90s in our church here, a couple. You know, that's got its own set of limits. But every decade has a set of limits that, you, that come with it, that you've got to manage as you go through life. Uh, your intellectual, I know you think you're smart, but even your intellectual capacities are a limit. Uh, you, spiritually, you've got limits. Uh, just what you know about God, your, 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 how many talents you've got. You got. Maybe some of you are very gifted. You've got 10 talents, you know. And, but the, no one's got them all. Uh, your past failures are a limit. Uh, so, say, for example, you spent some time in federal prison. Uh, and now you've got this record that dogs you in life, and some of you do. Uh, that, that's a limit uh, that you carry. Uh, maybe some decisions you made that took you down some roads that you would have preferred not to go down, uh, but it's a limit now as, as you manage your life. Uh, perhaps English is not your first language. That's a limit. Uh, maybe you immigrated here from another country. Uh, that's, a, that's, a, that's a limit. Maybe your, maybe your extended family's not here. Uh, maybe you have Papers, your green card, but not your citizenship. Maybe you don't even have that. Maybe you're here without papers, and you've got that you're carrying, uh, that limit. Uh, financially, wherever you are, I, I know uh, you may think you're very rich. You've got financial limits. Uh, you may have debt. That's a financial limit uh, that you carry. And depending on the, the level of debt, debt is a level of the limit. Now, we can go on to personalities as well. And, you know, some of us, are, some of us like myself, are high extroverts, but... That carries a limit where we drive people crazy, you know? Some of us are high introverts. We, we, we lose energy by being with people. That's a gift, but it's also a limit. You know, maybe you're a good detail, planner, organized person. Uh, that, that's good, but it's also a limit. Maybe you're spontaneous and creative and go with the flow. It's a gift, but it's also a limit. So again, we can take personality and start diving into that. So you can add to the list that I just gave you. Uh, but just think for a second, what are the things in your life that are driving you crazy? really hard in your life, and just write them down or just note them in your phone. These are some of my limits I'm carrying because uh, we tend to feel shame about them, want to hide them, deny them. Uh, and today we're going to talk about limits as God's grace in disguise. And so we're going to look at 2 Corinthians chapter 12. I'm going to read to you verses 7 to 12. It's a tremendous text uh, written by the Apostle Paul to a church in Corinth. And uh, so you, you, can, you can look at it on your phone or your Bible here. And here's what thus says the Lord. 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 7. Paul writes, Because of these surpassingly great revelations, uh, therefore, in order to keep me from becoming conceited, I was given a thorn in the flesh, a messenger of Satan to torment me. Three times I pleaded with the Lord to take it away from me. But he said to me, My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses so that Christ's power may rest on me. 
That is why, for Christ's sake, I delight in weaknesses, in insults, in hardships, in persecutions, in difficulties. For when I am weak, then I am strong. Okay, the famous verse. Okay. So I, I was raised in you know, the United States, and I was told as a kid, I remember our teachers saying things like this to us in, in school, elementary school, you can do anything you want. You can become anything you want. And uh, if you make the effort, if you work hard enough, you put the energy into it, you want to be president? You can be president. Well. <laughs> you want to be a doctor? You can be a doctor. You want to be a brain surgeon? You can be a brain surgeon. You want to be a lawyer? You can be a lawyer. You want to, be, you want to play music in Carnegie Hall? You can do that too. You want to be Bill Gates and the richest man in the world? You can do that. You want to be Mother Teresa? You can do that. You know, and go down the list. You want to be an Olympian? You can do that. You want to run the New York Marathon and break the four, you know, break a three hours? You can do that if you put your mind to it. And the list goes on. You know, you want to get a perfect score in your SATs? You can do that. I'm like, oh my gosh, you know. You want to be an investment banker? We can go down the list. You can do that. So in our culture, it kind of, it breeds, and if you look into American history uh, and the birth of the country, this idea of no limits is, is, in, is in the whole American ethos, you know, this idea of like, you know, open the Western frontier and, you know, break the, break the sound barrier and rags to riches and, you know, and, and, and uh, you, you know, discovering cyberspace and just this whole idea of like bigger, better, more. It's part of Western culture. And, and so we resist this idea of limits. We, we hate the idea of limits. We... You know, because this world's message to us is, is like, you know, hey, you can do it. Now, recently, um, I, I, I tore a small tear in my shoulder, rotator cuff, small thing. And so, you know, this orthopedic said, you start lifting weights, you know. I'm like, all right, I'll try that. I'll, I'll, do, I'll do some light weight lifting, you know. So I, you know, I got a little personal trainer, and so I started working on, you know, some very light, you know, Bench pressing and things like that, you know. And I find this young 24-year-old personal trainer, you know, and I go once a week for 30 minutes. And I didn't know there were so many things you can do with your muscles, you know. I had no idea. Just one, just your shoulders. There's so many different things you can do with little weights, you know. Just to, he's, he's, he's like dealing with every muscle, you know. And so, of course, he's trying to get me to be a steady client. And so, so he's now, now he's trying to show me the fact that I got a lot of other things I got to work on, you know. And, 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 and that there's, there's so many, like, things, muscles and I should be working on my thighs and my calves and my back and my neck trapezoid and this and that. And I realized, oh my gosh, you know, I said, this is a full-time job. He goes, oh, absolutely, he said. He goes, are you kidding me? There are celebrities that have full-time personal trainers living with them. Okay, they're paid $10,000 a week to live, and they're working on different muscles every day. And I'm like, oh my gosh, you know. And, and, and so he's basically saying, Pete, you could be this. You can, you can do it. And I'm sitting there and I'm saying to myself, first of all, I don't know about the tattoo, all right? That's the first thing, first thing I'm concerned about. But I'm like, I, I think I have limits here. I, you know, I, I, but he, believe me, every week, he's egging me on to be this. And so you know, the great challenge here, when we talk about really passage like Paul's, is we, we hate limits. I, I hate the idea, like, I can't be this, you know? And so I'm like, a, I'm like a, I hit limits and I get angry, you know, and I, I'm like a lion or a tiger in a cage, like, oh my gosh, you know, and, you know, I hate these things. 
And you know, somebody, somebody was in our, uh, an ex-member of New Life was here a few weeks ago and he, he had moved to Austin, Texas. And he was telling us about, about life in Austin, Texas. And he was telling us about the parking lots when you go shopping. That, you know, for example, you go to Target and there's this massive parking lot. You don't even know where you want to park. There's so many spaces. He goes, Pete, you can't believe it. So after church, I go shop. I got to buy some food at Stop and Shop, you know. And after fighting for parking, and I get my parking spot, and then I realize I don't have a quarter for, for my shopping cart. I just want to get a shop. I want to buy some things. I, but so, you know, the car, I can't find a quarter. Then, then I got to go inside. I got to get on the long line to get a quarter, change my dollar. Then I got to go back. I, I'm, I'm tired. I just, and I'm thinking about the parking lot in Austin, Texas. And I'm suddenly very angry at New York and all the limits here. I can't even get a free shopping cart. And so the, the reality is you have limits. You have a, you're human. You're not God. Only God is without limits. And you cannot be and do whatever you want. You, you're not in charge. So this passage is, is written by Paul. Now, the apostle Paul was brilliant. The guy was brilliant. Super gifted. I mean, he was probably the greatest Christian that ever lived. I mean, he wrote almost half the New Testament. I mean, the guy, after the resurrection of Jesus, I mean, he planted churches all over the empire. I mean, he was amazing. Uh, and so he planted this church in the city of Corinth, which is a lot like New York City, a big city in the you know, Roman Empire. And, but after he left this church, some other people came in that basically took charge. They were, they were like super leaders, they were very charismatic. They had all this revelation. They were apparently tremendous speakers, brilliant, had all these visions and dreams from God. And they basically said to the Corinthian church, this guy, Paul, he's not even a good speaker. Okay, he's not even anointed. You know, he doesn't have it. You know, basically, follow us, forget Paul. So Paul obviously is upset about this. And so Paul writes them this letter of 2 Corinthians. And he's right now in this, we're picking it up, where he is... Uh, defending himself, basically, in his authority. And he begins by saying, hey, listen, guys, you know, I, I've had a lot of revelations. And uh, I've, in fact, he goes, 14 years ago, he goes, I actually was transported in, into the third heavens, whatever that is. I saw and heard things that are inexpressible. And he goes, I could go on and on about that. And I'm thinking to myself, please do. I mean, it sounds like a good movie to me or a book deal at least. But Paul says, I am not going to talk about those things. I'm not going to boast in those things to you. He goes, what I'm going to boast in is my limits and my weaknesses. And he turns the whole thing upside down. And uh, he says, no, the basis of my authority in life comes from my limits. That's the shocker. So here's what he says. He goes, because of these surpassingly great revelations. I understand, Paul was a gifted guy, sharp guy, brilliant guy with a lot of insight and revelations, he doesn't use that to say, hey, here I am, like, watch out. He says, no, in order to keep me from being conceited, and I'll talk about that in just a second, I was given a thorn in my flesh, a messenger of Satan to torment me. There three times I pleaded with the Lord to take it away from me. Now, catch this. Um, he, he's, he's, he's got this thorn in the flesh. Now, uh, it's actually called a messenger of Satan. That's no joke. So, so it's something that was not, in a sense, it's demonic. Uh, it's painful. He doesn't want it. 
It's awful. And he asked God repeatedly, he says three times. Actually, it's a Hebrew way of saying, I asked God over and over and over, take this thing away from me. Have you ever said that? God, like, get this out of my life. Solve it. And he's pleading with God to take it away from him. And so it's actually, the word thorn is an interesting word. In ancient times, that particular word meant this kind of a, it was meant like a, like a, a stake in the ground that was used to keep the enemies from attacking the city. So Paul says, I got one of these inside of me. And he's like, God, it is painful. Take this away. My wife and I joked, my wife joked to me. She goes, Pete, some of your thorns, not only do they go through you, they go through you right to me. I said, oh my God, that's not good, that's not good. Now, we don't know what Paul's thorn in the flesh was. He doesn't tell us, but there's, there's a number, here's a few theories about it. Uh, one is that he had a physical ailment. Like physically, he had some kind of either deformity, he couldn't see in his eye, he had eye problems. Some think he had a, speech de- a serious speech defect. Uh, others think he had epilepsy. But something physically, that even though this guy could do miracles and heal other people, he couldn't heal himself. And they would mock him as like a sick Pentecostal, like a sick charismatic healer, you know? Couldn't even heal himself. Others think it was a spiritual temptation, that, that Paul... Uh, you know, Paul had a, had a, he was a really headstrong guy, you know, that he had a tendency to bitterness or anger or, you know, rage, and he would like, just, like roll over people. Uh, others think it was his, his thorn in the flesh may have been the numbers of people that hated him and wanted him dead. I mean, that's no joke. And that he was constantly being misunderstood and attacked. Again, we don't know. All we know is it was evil. He asked God to take it away. And, uh, and so finally God speaks to him. And says, Paul, you don't get it about this limit in your life. And the Lord says to him, because of these surpassingly great revelations I was given, it was given to me from becoming conceited, this thorn in the flesh. God says, I gave this to you, Paul, to humble you, to keep you from arrogance, from pride. In fact, in the original text, it reads this literally. In order to keep me from being conceited, comma, in order to keep me from being conceited, like twice for emphasis, it was given to me this, God allowed this. He wasn't the author of it, but God allowed it in my life to free me from this thing of pride. Now what pride is, is pride is acting independently of God. Pride is you, you're, 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 you're kind of your entitlement, you think you're more than you are, Humility is being, it actually literally is being pressed to the ground. It's being grounded. Humility strips us of pretenses that we're better than anybody in the whole world, you know. It, 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 just, it, it, just, it, it, it just keeps us in a place of meekness, op- openness, and many of us, we're too high. We're not grounded. And God says, I, I allow limits in your life to ground you, to get you onto the ground. Now, Paul, if he didn't have these limits, now listen, whatever was going on with Paul, this thorn in the flesh, Paul was dangerous. The guy was so gifted and headstrong, so gifted, so brilliant, so amazing, that if he didn't have whatever this thorn in the flesh was, I'd scare to think of what he would have been. And he saw it, that God had to have allowed this to him or else he was actually dangerous. Well, friend, do you want to hear this? The same applies to us, that God knows we need it to keep us grounded and to teach us this thing called uh, humility. 
That's what he says, it was given to me as a gift. And I received it finally as a gift, not something I hated. And then he realizes, he goes, God said to me, my grace is sufficient for you. My power is made perfect in weakness. I love that. Okay, my power is made perfect in weakness. So he said, you know I said? In your limits that make you weak, if you allow it, power is made perfect. What that means is power expresses itself in such a unique, full way in limits that can come out no other way. Paul doesn't know why God's power is made perfect in weakness. It was, therefore, I'm not only, I'm not only like not hiding this. I'm not only not like trying to walk in shame with this thing. I'm not only, I'm, I'm, I'm boasting all the gladly about my weaknesses so that Christ's power may rest on me. His Shekinah glories, that's literally what it says. That's why for Christ's sake, I delight in weaknesses, insults, hardships, in persecutions, in difficulties. How many of us can say such a thing? Because I delight in limits. It's God's grace in disguise for me. For when I am weak, then his strength is manifest. No, 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 God, let's not do it that way. We said, let's do it another way. Because this is painful. This cuts us down to size. This is like a, you know, it's like a death. See, limits are a door. If you'll embrace them, it's a door. Now, you don't have to. There are people that go to their deathbed angry at God. Angry at limits that I have to die. I've seen it. Curse it. So if you don't practice it now, I can tell you one thing. You won't do well as you grow older. You will not. Practice now, and you'll grow older and have a wonderful 40s, 50s, 60s, 70s, 80s, and 90s. But if you hate it in your 20s, you'll hate it in your 80s. You'll be a miserable person to be around. It's a very critical skill, very critical truth to really absorb. Now, so limits are a door. They're a door, everybody. And I'm gonna give you a number of things they're a door to. Number one, it's a door to humility. That's number one. Uh, thank God for limits. Number two, it's a door to communion with Jesus. It's a door to communion, a depth of communion with Jesus that is inaccessible any other way. And that's what Paul says here. Sort of, I, I, I boast all the more gladly so that Christ's power might rest on me. He was getting a, 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 a communion with Jesus, a, a oneness with Jesus in, in his glory that came in the worst place. And then it's also, limits are a door to a revelation of Jesus. There are things you learn about Jesus through limits that are learned no other way. In fact, you can read it in a book. It's helpful in a textbook. It's helpful in a sermon, but you can never fully get the revelation unless you walk it. Uh, it's also limits are a door to direction. In other words, God's directing your life through limits. There, there are limits that he's trying to get you in a certain path. You say, no, I don't want to go that path. I, I know. He's, but he's trying to get you that path. And you say, no, no, God, I got this plan. And his limits are meant to be doors taking you down a road. And you gotta, that's why discernment's so important. And there are also, limits are a door to mission. They're, they're really, they're a key way that we, we discern, what does God want from my life? Where, where is he taking me? Like, how can I make a difference in the world? And how's he coming to me? So, yeah, hold on to that one. I love when Paul says, for when I'm weak, then I'm, I'm powerful.